Hi, welcome back to One Really Good Question with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe, and episode one here features Eddie Flores, and we're talking about motivation, uh, why we're doing what we're doing, how to uh, audit the experience that we're having, and it's all through the, the, the veil of an NPR voice. So sit back, enjoy, and relax. Also, uh, here's the producer chiming in really quick. Um, Gabe is still here with me. He's this is right after he recorded that intro still. So um, we just kind of jumped right in to this conversation because uh, they were talking. Um, you were talking with Eddie. Yeah. And that's right. I just there was Remember not like that. a formal beginning of this when we recorded in front of the live audience like uh, we did for the first season. So just so you know. I just hit record in the middle of us going, and so you will hear, like, the middle of Eddie talking about something. But they were only talking for um, less than a minute, probably not even a couple minutes, probably about a minute or so before I said, oh, I should hit record because they're both talking about some really good stuff. Yeah. So now that you know, forget about it. No, we're out. (laughs) Forget just because it's not. It's like you know what you shouldn't. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. I'm stopping it. At Forget about it. it. <laughs> so, for some reason, that sounded better in my head than it came out. But I'm happy with it. Okay. Cool. Focused on mental health resources, or really addressing any sort of needs that people are not having met, and they. Um, they are in alignment with being able to have funding to get that help. Um, So my technical role is a psychosocial rehabilitator. And so what that implies is being able to integrate like your psyche with your actions and behaviors and then operating off of um, preferred outcome data where the approach that we're trained with is scientifically empirically proven to help. And so ultimately I have the freedom to approach these clients in any sort of way where I like to consider the client and the things that they enjoy doing and integrating why we're there together into the things they already do. And so that's been very successful for me. And so I feel like if you really just tap into being present with them and really listen to them, you can add into their dialogue and they'll build rapport and develop a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all things in the realm of mental health technician. It sounds like a lot of guided introspection too, in a sense, or you're kind of facilitating that that idea that we have to take a, a radical look at what you're doing and what, what you want to do. Yeah. Another important part about it is being able to audit um, your perceptions of what's going on because you want to make sure what you're doing is client focused. And mm-hmm. so one question I ask myself a lot is, is this for me or is this for the client? And so then you get into like, Uh, social work ethics of self-disclosure and like how much information you give if it's conducive to what the goals are and contextually to the client then it's good to share because we're human we're not robots 
we can't just completely cut ourselves off from that or just hop into someone else's shoes entirely just from what you think you know or what you have what little information you get right because that's the key you have to see how much people will disclose to you or how much they're willing to disclose to themselves mm. which if you don't do that it makes it tougher to try and see some of the problems maybe if they're that internal right or that in your face in a sense right and how long have you been doing this um, so I've been with Innovative for a year and a half now, um, but I was also, I worked as a behavioral therapist um, with Wisconsin Early Autism Project uh, while I was getting my undergrad in psychology at UW-Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not exactly sure on like how long I've been doing this, but I feel like internally, probably my whole life. You've been thinking about this a lot, I'm sure, or the yeah. way that you... It's kind of your relationship with yourself, too. Right. And you want to correct me here, but it's something that you're trying to share with other people in terms of how you know yourself, how you want other people to know themselves, because this has been beneficial for you to think like this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's empowering to be able to audit uh, my experiences in terms of, do I prefer to feel this way when this happens? And if I don't, how can I realign that? And so being able to take a step back is very empowering in terms of addressing who I am and what my needs are and being able to share that with other people to utilize that same skill. And, you know, by having all this dialogue and by by knowing yourself in this way and helping people know others, would you agree with me that it kind of, in a roundabout way, we're going to define motivation soon here, but to know yourself in that way is to kind of know your motivations too then because that's part of you that's this is part of the auditing process of why am i doing what i'm doing then mm-hmm. right so it's kind of akin to that is as what i'm asking kind of i guess yeah yeah i would agree yeah so you've been helping people with motivation and you've been helping yourself throughout this whole time in general i love that mm-hmm. Th- thank you for your service we don't you think we have enough people out here doing what you the work that you're trying to do I think that there could be a lot of opportunity for anyone to be able to give a helping hand. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a specialized field for it, but in terms of how we connect to each other and the cultural priorities that we carry, I think that everyone has that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on the way things are currently, I think it's always a... A sliding scale where perhaps it will never be absolute and it's not something that's static um, but that's the beauty of each moment where things can quickly change and you can't wait for the perfect moment or the perfect scenario or protocols for some you can't (laughs) yeah you can't wait for the perfect moment though on some of this stuff I got targeted by a thing on Instagram or at least I read it that way They were breaking down the ideas of procrastinators, and the perfectionist procrastinator waits for the ideal moment that will help them complete their goal, basically, whatever that goal is. But guess what? It never shows up. And you get in this cycle of hoping or waiting or maybe not auditing as much as you should there. And that is tough because these conditions out here are not perfect necessarily, and we have to make the choice to to do this and it's helpful to have people that know about the options though some people grew up and didn't really 
have these options or these thoughts or these people to talk to necessarily, right? So, yeah, no, it's, I think the opportunities are there still. And I think that, right, it's, it's something that's going to keep growing, hopefully, mm-hmm. in the future here. But based on people like you, I would say. I definitely would love to keep spreading seeds and mm-hmm. cultivate uh, things that are meaningful, at least for me, which are, like, if anyone's familiar with um, the love languages, mm-hmm. I would say mine mine is having uh, shared meaningful moments. And so that's my way of connecting with others Mm -hmm. and through transparency. I feel like everyone is so different and every connection that you make is so different. You can learn about yourself and others in any instance. So there's really, Mm -hmm. if you're not, there's a barrier and oftentimes it's the person themselves. I would add agree with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why. I don't want to scream in here, though. It's so quiet now. Oh, I got top of it. Oh, this is going to sound weird in the recording. Tough. Oh. Post editing. We'll do some. Wait, what? This is all gold. <laughs> Oh, I've been recording. Okay, right, right, all right, let's cool. restart awesome. right now. <laughs> all right, guys, <laughs> welcome in. And scene. That, that wasn't even my questions. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even get to a question yet. We were just talking about your titles <laughs> here. I don't I have questions. I, yeah. Well, it's like I read the titles for you, and, you know, I, I have an idea about what I think they are and stuff. I just wanted to kind of hear from you what they mean to you and what they are, you know. Um, but... I'm trying to think. We just, we just did. I'm, re- I'm recording. No, you right just now. threw me off, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time to go into a question then. Um, we'll, well, actually. We'll find an entry point. You just, well, just ask the question. The other title here, before we go further, further, um, you are a Master of Social Work student right now. How far in are you at the moment? I'm in my second semester full time, and there's four semesters total. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and. In my first year of two. Sure. Do you happen to have an idea of what the end of this looks like at all? So I would say the the main reason I went back to school was because, well, going back a little bit, um, I went, I did the classic, like go to college right out of high school mm-hmm. and then had no idea why I was there because I just didn't know what to focus on. And I still felt like I had a lot to learn for myself. Um, And so I traveled Europe and backpacked with my lovely partner, Jill. Um, Shout out to Jill. And so when we came back, I just felt so thirsty to learn. And so I felt like it was a good investment to learn about myself in the psychology realm. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I didn't go to college for like, I want to get this specific job. I went to college to be able to study concepts that make up the human psyche or study really old philosophers and seeing how they process ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that there are things that are timeless. And I love coming across the principles of reality that transcend time, they're still relevant. It's just always relevant. Yeah. And so that was why I went back. And then 
as I moved further along in my degree, um, I developed a relationship with the cognitive neuroscience researcher at UW-Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of prompted me to start considering what's next. And yep. so he suggested going into research, but I really do not like um, how linear that has to be. I like to be creative yeah. and I like to be philosophical about concepts rather than stating numbers and quantities and qualitative or quantitative yeah that's qualitative thank <clears throat> you i was just going to mention at um for the doctoral program for first nations education at uw green bay their whole thing is pretty much built on qualitative data so i went and attended somebody's uh uh thesis defense at at gb for the program and it was just centered around the experiences of three different people um, the reservation experiences of three different people. I'm sure it was more specific than that. I don't recall what it was, but that was the gist of it. The whole thesis defense that they worked on for, I mean, they usually work on those for like a calendar year, something like that, you know? And so um, that's enough to get you validated in educational realm because their whole program is built upon that. It's not built upon finding the experiences of a hundred people and then applying percentages to it. That's not what it's about. It's about the experiential element of research because how, how it's not really, doesn't really logically make sense to minimize a smaller amount of experiences and say that just because you have more experiences that now it's valid in their theory, right? Many quantitative da data people would not agree with that, but, that's what the whole program is built upon. So I don't know if that's something that appeals to you as far as where you're going to go after this because it's very specific to First Nations education, but the program, you're navigating academia in that sense Definitely. for four years. You know? I'm not trying to give you, a, you know, like a, a meeting here, like an admissions meeting or anything yeah. like is that. Anything you wanted to talk about with <laughs> us today, like your <laughs> life and where you're going and stuff? Because we're both really experienced in life. We can tell you a lot of things yeah i mean i can segue into how i didn't want to go uh that quantitative route and so i really love experiences like this where you can just be open and have dialogue about anything mm -hmm. and so if i'm gonna do that as a career i'd rather it be focused on people's needs that are not being met and so I love to strategize and I love to identify dissonance. Um, I'm also a musician, so I feel like that's dabbling in the world of harmony and chaos melodically. And so I think that my long-term goal is to have a private practice, sure. but not like the, it's not the classical sit down talk therapy uh, it's going to be more so focused on the clients, um, things that they like to do already, and then integrating slowly like concepts that are effective for what their preferred outcomes are. So I mean, no one's going to be the same. No, no. I, I think that's a more immersive outlook on it. And, it, you know, you're talking about playing to the needs of people that aren't being met. And that is a far larger category now of people in general, especially mental health. And in some of these very specific types of um, 
ailments in a sense or this dissonance you spoke of too dissonance is terrible you know it's not cool to not know or not understand it because it just leaves you with a lot of frustration and so i think a private practice for you would be phenomenal i'll stop by i'm not really going to schedule anything but like i'll just stop by you know what i mean you're probably gonna have a big garden and stuff and you're probably gonna be living honestly i can send you a digital invoice oh, perfect yeah say <laughs> so bill me get me for the time on that one god knows it'll be just hours of us talking about nothing <laughs> but you know that's because can't help it i don't know it's easy to talk with you eddie i'm really thankful that you came on the show today thanks for having me it's nice to hear your uh perspective on this stuff and we'll go over your last title really quick here you just said that you were part of a band the vibe center band is the one and only band right now you are a part of right uh that's hard to define because i feel like i play music with so many other musical friends where i just don't define myself being a part of one musical thing Mm -hmm. it's fair but that is the most prevalent music project that you are working with right now and working on yes keep seeing dates coming up on facebook and i'm like dude what do you how do you have all this time we've just found some really great spots that let us be ourselves Mm -hmm. and that's our main objective being in spaces that are cohesive with what we're doing Mm -hmm. and still allowing people to enjoy their experience shared vision Yeah. yeah instead of opposed to just being on a stage and everyone's staring at you well that is fun I definitely love the openness of everyone being able to be in their own realm, and there's really great music in the background. Music is something that I have different experiences with, um, but I love observing how music is for other people, and how integral it is, or how it changes the mood, it changes the space, or it changes everything, honestly. And you guys guys are the vibe masters over there, from what I've heard. I also listened to your song, Meditation. When did you put that one out? Uh, So that was released... January 1st of this year we yeah. went right into the new year with a release and the way that song started out was so music for me has always been something that I find solace in mm-hmm. and it's something it's a place where I can explore myself and meditation started out as a literal meditation like the chord progression was my meditation and then mm-hmm. I would just play whatever I wanted over that progression. And I slowly started integrating my friends who are also in the Vibe Center, mm-hmm. adding layers onto the song. And it just, i when I would listen to it, I feel like I would just be teleported into this space where things are just still. And now you have like a clean slate to take your next step. You're like under the waterfall when you go there right or like that's for me that's kind of what i view that's a great visual for that it's fun you know i I like it but no i i like the songs as well too i've been listening to it while i've been preparing for the show and um it is a vibe it's definitely everyone should check it out and this is where we cut the clip and we play it over the thing for like a little bit maybe but yeah he didn't ask for money. Okay. Cool. I was worried. Sick. For a second. I was worried. I, was, I don't have a budget. Like, I mean, well, I do, but I don't. We're in the negative right now. Yikes. Yeah, no. Just so going to let it. you know. We're I'm in... getting paid, right? For this event here today? <laughs> yeah, we're going to hang out after this whole thing. We're just going to chill. That's That was what we were Meaningful gonna... moments. Yeah. That's your love language. Meaningful, so meaningful moments. 
The love languages are so interesting. I could I could talk about those for a little bit too. But we could do a season on that. I bet on love languages. Mm -hmm. Bring some of the top tier lovers that we know into the <laughs> into the fray and be like, all right, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Someone starts off with Kama Sutra or some shit. Like, Whoa, <laughs> that's not a love language. That's <laughs> is not one of the five. That I <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, okay, maybe that wasn't relevant. But um, no, I I think that music is a good outlet for for that type of meditation, that type of space. And I've been trying to get more into it a little bit recently because um, it is good to have pause or have zones where you can just, you can do the audit from there. You can think about things more rationally from there maybe when things aren't so cluttered as well. Um, so I do like that. I love the song. Man. Um, Thank you. I think it's about time we start with our first really, really good question. I know. Enter. Put it in the. You want to be a millionaire sound right now. Yeah, we enter it's, some it's sound time. effect here that we haven't decided on yet. I'm trying to think of how it went on uh, Howie Mandel's deal show. Deal or no deal? Yeah. Do they have like a tune? Like, mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. do they? Yeah, they had like a well, like a you know that suspenseful sound or the Shark Tank one. Shark Tank oh, one is like a, a everyone knows that I know one. That one. You just yeah. throw that in I there. I was and watching like, Shark Tank just the other day. Yeah, it's great. It is. It is. But um, you were talking about conceptualizing things and talking with people in that manner where we conceptualize our actions conceptualize you know just behaviors and stuff in general so my question is conceptually to you like what does it mean to be motivated in a sense and what does this type of individual look like to you yes <laughs> i love it cut <laughs> and cut cut this right here so okay. episode is over it's hard to conceptualize things um, but I'd like to approach this question speaking from a first person mm -hmm. experience. I, yep. I can really only speak on my own behalf. And so can you repeat the question one more time? Like if you were to conceptualize what it means to be motivated and yeah, you don't have to do it from a, how it looks to other people necessarily. You can only do it from your own, but to conceptualize what it means to be motivated or if you have a better word for motivation in this sense right now, I'm down for that too. Um, because maybe that word isn't the right word to, to describe this whole self-actualization and this whole auditing process that you're doing, you know, but conceptually, is, is that kind of the answer too? that we talk about what it means to be motivated is to, okay. Okay. You, you threw a lot at them there. That okay. was a ramble with a question. I was, no, there's some really great stuff in there okay. because okay. just making sure one thing I that want you to be confused. One thing that I want to build on top of is mentioning self-actualization because when you asked me that I just envision uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs Sure. where it's really built upon fundamental needs to live. And when you cover those needs, it's almost like there's this void where you need to keep progressing sure. and you can feel that. Um, I think it comes when hmm. you are too comfortable. And so it's like, Oh, what's next? Uh, for example, like my main academic mentor, he just got his last uh, promotion that he really started out his whole career wanting to achieve. But now he's like, well, what do I do next? Like, I need to find motivation for the next thing. Yeah. I need something to work towards. And this also, funny enough, happened to my supervisor at UW-Green Bay. I also work as um, 
uh, non-clinical case manager at UW-Green Bay. Yep. And so I help students of any sort who are experiencing a barrier between them and academic success. And so I have to go through these cases and identify why is there no motivation to progress in this situation mm-hmm. or what is being misperceived or what is just not acknowledged whatsoever where is someone on their own hierarchy and i think it's important to also not standardize a hierarchy of needs because Subjective everyone is so different yeah I, I feel like it's dependent upon your archetype as a person mm-hmm. which i don't know the best way to describe an archetype but it's like a a type of character a type of person and how they approach their life and there are variances in what you focus on Um, so acknowledging the type of person that you are and identifying what your strengths are identifying what your weaknesses are accepting who you are Mm -hmm. I think these are all things that are fundamental in understanding what drives you Mm -hmm. and oftentimes i feel like when we think too hard about that all the time we're just lost in our own thoughts instead of actually experiencing ourselves or acting on them in general there's too much i i sell furniture for a living and i have people that come in and will look at stuff for like two to three hours at the most i've seen and at some point i look at them and i'm like you've looked at too much stuff guys you will not be able to make a decision right now. Mm. Or it's like they're frustrated too on top of this. And I'm like, you guys need to take a breather and take some pictures and get out of here because mm. it's not going to work. But, you know, a lot of it really is people have to seek this stuff out, though. We have to seek to want to know the answers on some of this stuff that you just said, you know. And that's part of being motivated then. Or that's the answer I'm, I'm sensing here. Mm. You know, um, it's an active participation in all of it in self-actualization or in just figuring out the hierarchy that you are failing yourself in or whatever the hierarchy looks like to you in a sense is what I'm feeling from that. But I kind of answered both questions there in a sense, (laughs) actually. Um, So no, that, that part is still all self-actualization to be, to be motivated or truly be motivated, whatever that word means now. Um, is to try and really actualize what you are about. Yeah, I would say a variable that's really important surrounding this topic is self-efficacy, which is your own belief in achieving a task. Mm -hmm. And when I work with um, children or students or really anybody, like, I don't think I ever turn off the type of person I am. The sure. thing is, I've, I have been motivated to be able to apply my sense of self in everything that I do. Yep. And so that allows me to just want to seek being myself. And so I'm motivated to be myself. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and essentially, I've, I desire that because... I love to learn. I love to connect with people. I love music. If I can integrate these things that I love into messages or connecting, 
yeah, expressions of whatever other people like to do and building on top of it. Um, I think that's what motivates me the most because I'm serving beyond myself. And I, th I think that my main approach working in mental health and like I apply mindfulness in a lot of cases and try to share mindfulness with others um, is to be mindless. I don't want to think about my actions or how I'm being because if I'm not thinking about that, I'm just going with the flow of everything and my yeah. intentions are on the table. And so however the environment or others respond to it, I'll see directly through whatever happens. Yeah. No, I, I like that. That's, that's fair. And that's that type of self-actualization and stuff and selfless or, or mindless nature of that. It definitely, it's because you're on autopilot now, or you know what the function is here, or you know yourself in that way. So it's trust, ultimate trust with yourself too. Um, I kind of wanted to extrapolate something out of that you mentioned, if you could, a little bit. <clears throat> um, so you had mentioned that one of your biggest motivations personally, because you kind of felt compelled to apply it to yourself, was that you're motivated to be yourself. Um, and I think when I think of your practice and what you're helping people do, um, in theory, almost universally, um, there's some sort of personal issue or some sort of personal f existing trait within a person that they want to change or that something needs to be addressed in some form or another. And so in theory, they need to be motivated. There's always going to be some form of motivation within any sort of practice because there needs to be change and there needs to be a, a motivation to change. Does that seem like a fair assessment? That's not, that's not my whole thing, but yeah. is that if, before we move forward. For sure. Do you find yourself actively pushing people in your practice to just start with motivating themselves or motivating them to be themselves? Or do you think because of how you approach it, it's more of an inherent thing that comes naturally when you're in your practice? I would say that I don't have a standard equation in how I approach cases uh, because I would say that there are cases where perhaps the individual is even more intelligent than I am and they're fully capable. They just need to be able to have something shift in how they're looking at something. And so it's really just being there to talk through something. Um, uh, and in contrast to that, I would say, yeah, there is a focus on like, so if you don't know who you are, maybe we, c I could help you like learn about who you are. Um, because a lot of the time you need to address those fundamental things before you get to those higher level, uh, points of like talking about theoretical knowledge, um, especially when there's this pending thing in, in your mind of just not knowing how to approach something. I feel like there's this void that needs to be addressed, like you said. Um, so 
Yeah, to answer your question, I don't have a a standard equation. Um, as a person that wants to open their own practice, I want to learn about all the potential uh, resources or tools that I can be equipped with so I can apply them when relevant. So I would say that's my standard equation, knowing what the context is and finding the best tool for the job. I mean, just as real life works and real tools, uh, like I love when something is messed up at my house. Not that that's the part I love, but I love going to get the tool and then using it and fixing the issue. Like, I feel like that's such a good representation of what's going on um, in the non-physical world. We need to find out the tools, or we need people to show us the tools sometimes, or you have to figure it out through conversation, too. You bounce stuff off people, and you end up, you end up, uh, yeah, there we go, yeah, better. You end up figuring it out through conversation, though, or you get people to say things they've never said out loud, or that, you know, they th they're thinking something now, because you are this tool master with your garden and everything, and you've just got your backpack on, and you're like, hey, how's it going today? And you're just reading them, like a book here, right? You're just kind of going into it, and... And we need those types of people for that. That's I like your equation that you have for it because it's a loose one. Mm. It's subject to the subject in a sense. So, yeah, no. Um, this is more of a, a principle that me and you have talked about in the last like month and a half here. Um, because aside from being motivated and stuff, we have to figure out how to take care of ourselves. Right. We have to. How do you not burn out when you're so motivated or you're doing so many things, you know, in general school, um, work, band, all of it. Right. And so the question I have for you is. Wait, no, this is the second question, right? This is the second question. <laughs> okay, now. No, the second really big question. The second big really question. good question. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Should know the title to my own podcast. Probably. <laughs> It'll come naturally. As it's the like first episode, episode, man. Give me a little right. slack. Here. A little slack here. It's all right. Um, but the, the concept we've talked about on the phone is about creating a space that rejuvenates, heals, fosters good feelings in a sense. And the, okay, the question now is, you know, when did you come across this idea and what are some of your favorite strategies you've been trying to implement in terms of creating that space that allows you to stay in the zone? I love the zone and because it's, it's just hard. It's hard to maintain that stuff. And every time I've called you in the last, like, two months, how you been? I'm working on trying to figure out how to keep myself motivated, grounded, among all these different things. I would say my main strategy is intention. And so yeah. the things that I've got going on in my life, I accepted to do them. And although it can be really tiring and I don't have the best time management skills to maintain it all at an optimal level, that's an like, like that's identifying something that motivates me to get better at it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really how we embrace our shortcomings. And so like, yeah, I've definitely gone to bed at 3 a.m. because <laughs> I needed to finish a paper and I was not going to have time to finish it the next day. Um, it's, it's making sacrifices based upon the intention, 
Mm-hmm. And although, like, I, I would prefer to output the best quality anything ever. That's, I think everyone would want that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's my intention here. And being realistic, sometimes that's just not the case. And so being able to accept that and have humility and embrace failure or just embrace, like, I just didn't do the best this week in terms of, I I would say, like, something that I struggle with is getting enough sleep on a daily basis. Um, and so that's something that motivates me to just be able to output higher quality anything, mm-hmm. whether it's academic coursework or engagement mm-hmm. or music um, or art. I would say focusing on the intention is re- really important, more important than focusing on the outcome of the intention. Because you can keep growing and expanding upon that intention. And you're not going to always have things that you're super happy with. Mm. But that doesn't mean you should let go of that intention. Can't be bogged down by the idea of what it looks like. Success or failure, right? Yeah. It's more about still the journey and all this and the practice of what you're doing, you know? I feel you on the time management thing as well. Also, Xavier was placing bets on you that you weren't going to be here right away, just so you know. Not Stacy. <laughs> I knew he was going to show up. Don't make it sound like I thought he wasn't going to show up. No, no, I no. did. I did assume you would be a little late, though. That is fair. I think I was you here were, before you were two six. minutes early, dude. Um, that was awesome, man. I won all the money from the pot. <laughs> I bet on you, dog. I did. <laughs> but, but um, one other part of that. You know, really what you're talking about is a is a personal type idea on it. And you can do things externally as well for your space and stuff. But but really, it all starts from your, your personal intentions on what you want the space to be, how you want to feel in it and or how you want to keep um, rising to the challenges here in terms of time management and work, academia, all of it. Right. I would say an overarching concept that covers all of that is like sustainability. Like how sustainable is this operation that I have going on that is my body, that is my mind and my spirit. I would like all of them to be in alignment and just live in the flow always. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think all of that is encompassed by being motivated to be myself, just being in alignment with who I am Mm -hmm. and really embracing the environment that I'm steeping in anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the hierarchy too, then a little bit in terms of just what you need then out of there too. So if you can identify all this type of stuff, if you can self-actualize and you can figure out what you really need, it's, it's a good equation to figuring it all out, honestly. So, yeah, I like that one. Um, I did want to bring up something about the intention, too, that you brought up. Um, I think when you bring up intention um, as motivation, um, I think about, like, with intention as far as using that as a tool to become motivated, right? Um, But I do wonder... 
I think that there's something to be said about like, you know, I think when you're motivated to do something, there is this void that needs to be filled. There's this reason for the action, right? You're, you're, you want something changed. You want to take on something. You want something to look different. You want to feel better, however you want that to look like. Um, so I think something that kind of comes along with motivation y- using intention, you can't really discount beyond motivation what intention does for the self. You know, you, if you're just being intentional, not for the sake of being motivated, there's a lot of positives that come out of that anyways. You know, you start to just um, thinking about what you're doing and not allowing yourself to be beyond what's immediately in front of you can make that moment that much more enriching. And so I feel like that is just like another element of motivation. You take that intention for the sake of your motivation. But there's also this other outcome of it that feeds into your motivation that doesn't have anything to do with motivation. Because if you're feeling good, if you're aware of what you're doing, you just get closer to reaching those goals that you are using motivation as a tool for anyways. You know. So basically I'm just saying this long-winded answer of there are a lot of elements that are indirectly related to motivation that come with intention besides that direct connection. You know, I guess that's just a thought. You don't have to jump in. <laughs> but it's just something I wanted to add. It's not really a question or anything, but it's just something I thought of while we're sitting here that there's a lot of benefits and positives that come out of intention to begin with. If you're truly intentional, does that just mean you're motivated? Is motivation a state of being versus a tool or intention is the tool to get to that state? Is intention the state and motivation is the okay, that accidental outcome? <laughs> I feel like it could be any of those options, really, depending on the person and, like, how they're choosing like to how, embrace they, it. Well, where they started, too. That's another part of it, too. Where did you start from? Did you start that you were really yeah. motivated and you used intention as a tool, or did you become intentional and then, whole holy cow, I'm really motivated to do all of these really big big things, Whoa. you know? It's crazy. So yeah. No. Just what's jogging through my brain as you guys are going. That's fair. That was sick. Anything you want to tell... Uh, you want to pump up anything right now? You want to hype anything up? Do you have any brands you're wearing right now? Do you have any dietary things? Or do you have any, like, you know what I mean? Just, like, hype something up. <laughs> we don't have any endorsements. So. There's not, there's right. no ads. There's no, yeah. The main thing I want to hype up is presence. Yeah. You would. You son of a uh, gun. I knew it. So I think that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But essentially, if you just take a moment to breathe... And let your mind clear. Just let yourself be. It's kind of nice. Just go from there. I like that. I think that's a good statement for you. And I think that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. But thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having um, me. I'm sure we'll chat more. (laughs) I'll see you after this and during. Yes. All right, Scram. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of One Really Good Question with Gabe. We would love to hear from you, whether it be your thoughts, uh, your takeaways from our episodes, future questions and guests you'd like us to pursue, anything that you would like to share with the two of us, we would love if you did so. 
So shoot us an email in our inbox. One really good question podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.